You are listening to Mountain Bike Radio. Welcome to Inside Mountain Bike Radio. I'm your host, Ben Wilack, and with me today is Jesse Lalonde. Jesse, how's it going? Good, man. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. It's a pleasure. So, listeners, Jesse, if you don't know Jesse, he is, I would call him a mountain bike, top-notch mountain biker, racer, and top-notch designer. So if you're, if, if any of you, if any, yeah, if any of you listeners have ever heard of Twin Six, you can go to twinsix.com. Twin Six Apparel, awesome stuff. The guy behind, I think most of the designs over there is Jesse. Yeah, we have so. a couple of designers, three okay. designers more or less. Okay. So he's one of the designers over at Twin Six. And just to give you an, an idea, if you're not, uh, in, well-versed in history of mountain biking in the state of Wisconsin. Jesse, in the War Series, which is a Wisconsin off-road series, I, I pulled up the archives, Jesse, because I want to give people an, a, a little idea of, of uh, your history. So in 2003, <clears throat> he was third place overall in the Elite. And I actually, back then, I think it was just, it might have been expert category. It wasn't actually called Elite, I think, at that point. Um, yeah, yeah. It it kind of took on between it was like between after two thousand three or so it really really exploded. Uh, two thousand four yep. he was third overall. Two thousand five he was fifth overall, and then two thousand seven and two thousand eight he was first overall. And the other note for two thousand seven is he took first place at the Schwamigan forty on a single speed. So and that's where a lot of you probably heard of Jesse is through the winning the the Schwamigan forty on a single speed which we are not going to talk about in this episode. We're actually going to save that for a different, we're going to save that for a different episode. That, and, that one's long gone, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I just want to touch on it. We're going to record just to give you information listeners. We're going to record a show, uh, an episode with, for the being dad show. So Jesse okay. has two little kids and a wife and he's doing all this stuff. So I want to get him on and we'll talk about that. But for this episode, we're going to talk fat bikes uh, specifically the frozen 40, because it's coming up. Uh, you can check out frozen 40.com and I want to get his take. He's a two time winner last two years. He's won it coming back. Uh, he's been riding fat bikes for the last several years. He's been doing well, at a lot of the local races. And I want to get his take on everything from how he got into fat bikes uh, he knows a. He's very good with all the uh, setup, so tires, rims. Uh, he he's very knowledgeable as far as bikes. Twin Six has a bike. I'll let him talk about that, um, and we'll just touch on pretty much all things winter in this episode. So, before we do that, I want to take Jesse back and just give us. I gave you some of the history as, as far as wars, but I want to have him explain just a quick summary of how he got, you know, maybe a little bit of your competitive past, Jesse. I think at some point you in college, you were a competitive runner, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah. So we'll talk about that and then talk about briefly how you got into cycling and kind of how that led to this winter. I, I would say this winter season, because it's not really an off season at this point. Um, but first, uh, before we get into that, I want to remind listeners, if you are new to mountain bike radio, and you're just coming to the website, we are available on your mobile device. So you can go to iTunes, you can go to Stitcher, and we also have a standalone app for all your iOS devices, Android through the Google Play Store and the Amazon Store, as well as Windows. So definitely check those out. And one last thing before we get going, um, you might be wondering why there's no commercials and the answer is because the money comes from members. And what is a member? You can go to mountainbikeradio.com slash membership. Basically what it is, is you say, hey, I want to be a member. I'm going to give you Mountain Bike Radio money. In return, what we're going to do is I will give you a choice of whatever stock, whatever t-shirts we have in stock. You'll get, if you do a certain level, you get a set of fix it sticks which you can go to fixitsticks.com and then you get access to a whole list of deals. So not only are you supporting the show and allowing things like this to go on and Jesse to share his story 
and us to hear about fat bikes, which is really cool because we can't do this anywhere else. People, um, that's a scoop. So I really appreciate it. If you just go over there, check it out. Mountainbikeradio.com slash membership. All right, Jesse, I had to get all that stuff in there because I know we're going to have a lot of new listeners and, uh, I, I don't promote it every show like that, but I got to get it in there every once in a while. All right. Cool. So thanks for sticking with me. Yeah. All right. So I laid it out for the listeners. Let's take a step back and um, tell us kind of your story and how it got you to this point of racing fat bikes all winter. Oh, sure. Um, you mentioned uh, the running side of my my career, and uh, I definitely did run a lot. Um, kind of always have. I was you know, born and raised in the the north woods of Wisconsin, more or less, uh, where my dad was, uh, he's very in tune with just nature, the woods, being outside. It really kind of taught me the ways of um, a silent sportsman, I guess you could call it, um, from cross-country skiing to running and to and then to cycling. Um, but, you know, I, I kind of I went through high school and had um had quite a bit of success just at the, the running level distance wise and then i uh, was recruited by uh, just a smaller school in wisconsin um, and at that point i didn't really know what i what i wanted to do in terms of a uh, um, career so i took advantage of that and i ran um through college gained all american honors in the uh in the steeplechase uh 3000 meter steeplechase also ran cross country you know, I was always I was always in the mix, and I had some some really solid results at that time as a runner. But I never I never really felt like it was me. I, I always felt I never really felt that comfortable or natural doing it. Um, and somewhere in between there, in college, I started to race mountain bikes in the summer as more of a cross training um, side of things and. Back then, you know, there was this was prior to, to to the results that you mentioned, and we were all kind of just skater punks um, in the meantime. So we would show up on these these single speeds, and we would race the wars sports class, like uh, platform pedals or band slip-ons, and we would just crush between me and my brother and a couple of my uh, roommates who were also runners. We would end up winning the the sport division overall, and we were on single speed. <laughs> really, not the proper apparel. I think the first race I showed up to, I showed up without a helmet, and I didn't. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't yeah. know. And yeah, I was yeah. like, "Hey, can I can I borrow your helmet?" I and mean, I hardly even had the money to cover the fee at the time. Um, and that kind of, you know, that really that really opened my eyes a little bit to uh, what I could do in terms of of riding a bike. Um, and that, that led into those, those early years of wars where I started to get a little bit, uh, a little bit more serious about it, I guess. But at the same time, we were still showing up on fully rigid single speeds and, um, mostly because it was all we knew and it was all we could afford, uh, in college. It was also very easy to work on, uh, maintenance wise. Yeah. So, well, I mean, at that, at that point too, in college, early years, I mean, if you're riding, riding that much. I mean, you'd rather be riding that much than having to like stop to save up money for all this extra stuff that you're breaking. Yeah, exactly. And we, I mean, we were, we were rough on our bikes, but, um, you know, there wasn't, there wasn't much to really break on a, on a rigid single speed. Right, and exactly. we, we, we always started off I and mean, they were kind of like hodgepodge, just like junk, junkyard builds more or less, you know, I and, mean, <laughs> they weren't they weren't the prettiest things in the world, and we we eventually started to upgrade. You know, we went through this whole like series of the Bianchi's and uh, Surleys, and, and, then, and then I was like, you know, we got to the point where we were buying like independent fabs, and things were feeling really good and natural. You know, uh-huh. um, and and it just it just kind of carried through. Like we never we never tossed those aside and said, all right, now we're now we're going to graduate to these these fancy geared machines, um, and it just it just kind of played out that way, and. Most of it was because we we loved riding off road. It's all we did. Like we didn't we didn't we don't have we still don't to this day really have a training plan. And when I say we, I mean my brother and and friends, you know, who still still race or ride um, somewhat competitively. It was just it was just a way of life for us back then. It was a way to get out and um, just challenge each other and mess around um, out in the local trails. So. With that, we you know we didn't have to worry about having the gears to keep up with like a, a group road ride because that didn't really even exist back then. At least where we were living, it was more just um, just us doing our own thing, our own way. 
Right. And, and that seems to me just from how I know you and through other people, it seems that's kind of always driven you is just to kind of do your own thing. I mean, was that the case and through even high school and college? Was it more of, I guess what I'm asking is when you looked at other runners that you were on the team with or anything like that, was your competitive nature, was that a result of trying to beat the next guy or was it just trying to kick your own ass basically? Uh, I mean, I think it was a little bit of both, okay. but um, I don't, I mean, just when you're when you're a competitive person, like you all, you always want to beat the next guy, mm -hmm. but you also have to. I mean, you have to be so self-driven. You you really have to love what you're doing. I mean, there's guys with a ton of natural ability that don't really enjoy uh, competing at the sport that they they compete at, and those guys generally just fade away. You know, um, and I think I think uh, I don't want to jump too far ahead here, but. You know, there's a, there's a point in my life where I kind of lost track of of cycling um, a couple years ago. It's kind of the in between, I guess I would call it. But lost track of like why I why I did it, why I loved it, and all how that jazz. Um, well, talk then, about I mean, it. yeah, talk about that because we're gonna. I mean that that's a big part in coming up to the next point, <clears> I think. And talk about that. I mean, it happens to a lot of us. I mean. You had, and we didn't mention it, but you have two little two little boys, uh, a three-year-old yeah. and like a year-and-a-half-year-old. Yeah, um, 17 but, months. Yep, 17 yeah. months. And, I mean, that it's a very common thing for a lot of us to get in the point where you've been doing it for so long and, you you know, like you were doing it at a very high level for a long time that it wears on you. And um, yeah. I think a lot of people get in that situation. So talk about that. And first of all, how you lost it. Was it just a <clears> – <throat> A quick thing where you're like, all right, I just I just need to take uh, a break, or was it just kind of slow fade? No, I never really, never really just lost it and just you know walked away. But it was, um, I mean, there's so many factors, right? Like you know, you, yeah, you you age, and then you you kind of there's always those those times in your life where you're faced with a decision, you know, whether it's subconsciously or you know reality and right in front of you, but. Um, you know, it was, the, it was, the uh, I got married and, um, and then, and then life starts happening and then you, you discuss it with your significant other, but sometimes in your mind, you think that you're going to continue to do the things that you did at that level once upon a time. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I ended up, uh, I ended up going from like a, a bike shop job where I, which allowed me to race full time and, uh, gained the sponsors that I needed to to support me and travel around the U.S. and, and do this fun thing we call cycling. But um, then it was, you know, jumping into a real job. Um, I, I'm not saying working in a bike shop is not a real job, but a job where, um, you know, I went to went to work nine to five and far beyond, um, which kind of burnt me out. And it was it was a it was a job. Where, I mean, it's, it's a little bit sensitive. I'm not. I don't want to get too much into it, but. Um, I was just overloaded with work and, uh, the work that I was doing, even though it was bike related, it wasn't exactly the type of bikes that I, uh, came to love, you know, and, and it was great for, from a lot of, a lot of angles, but in the end, um, one of the, the main uh, reasons for my move to the cities was to get away from that and just try to rekindle that flame, you know, that I, that I once had, um, I, you know, I, I wouldn't say it, it was burnout. It was just, it was just, uh, work overload more or less. Gotcha. I mean, and, and that was in Madison and you, the, Madison's yeah. a great place to live though. It's a, it's a, it was a great, uh, it was a great city to live in. Um, and as a, as a racer, you know, I had sponsors that were in Madison back then. It was, uh, like the, the Gary Fisher, kind of a regional team. Um, uh, started out uh, as a 29er crew. It was four or five of us at the time, and then it, it kind of exploded in this huge thing. And then the you know the, the merger of Fisher and Trek was a complete buzzkill for me, and that that kind of spiraled into all of this. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, and, I, I'm uh, totally understandable. It, you know, if things yeah. aren't aren't really your style. I mean, I was a so listeners. I don't know if I mentioned this before, but I was an international tax specialist for several years right out of college. I went to a couple of the big four accounting firms, five years, I actually lived in Madison for a while. And, um, 
then I, t- then I had another tax job for another year, but I mean, now I'm doing this and some other things and the, I mean, it, it wasn't me. You look around yeah. and you look around the people that I was, that I was on a collision course to be, you know, the manager a few years down the road in my same position, just, it wasn't me. So I, yeah. I hear you and I'm sure there's a lot of people that are in the same situation. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, uh, you know, it's just a, a quality of life mm-hmm. thing where we, we just kind of had our, we evaluated where we were at and where we wanted to be and how we wanted to feel about it. And, you know, we hit the reset button and, um, since then it's, it's, you know, pretty much been flawless to be honest. Yeah. So, um, and that led to the twin cities, which uh, did you start working at twin six right away? Yeah. I, you know, I've, um, no matter what I've done, I've always kind of, I've always kind of done freelance, done favors design wise, um, on the side. So I, I had, a, I had the opportunity to meet a lot of people on the way, most of them, which were in the bike industry. Um, and fortunately enough, Brent and Ryan of twin six were, were two of those guys that I met years ago when, um, early on when they kind of first started. And <clears throat> when I was, when I was living in Madison, I, you know, from time to time, I would do, uh, do freelance work for them if they needed a hand doing t-shirt graphic or um, whatever else. And they were always really supportive in uh, just cycling apparel and gear. I have uh, kind of a small um, side project called the BKB, which um, these guys took under their wing. It was kind of, you know, started out as this underground kind of bike team, which it still, still somewhat is. And, um, they, you know, they produced the gear that we needed to race in and they've always, always been really good about, um, sending product my way back when I was in Madison. So when the opportunity of, of moving here came up, um, you know, mainly because my wife's family is from the city. So, um, it it made sense for us to get up here. My family is from Northern Wisconsin, which is a little bit closer drive and with Mm -hmm. with kids and everything, it was just, uh, it was a family oriented move, um, and, uh, and, uh, guess a quality of life move but that was the first the first place that i went at that point you're getting old moving closer to family got the kids yeah so (laughs) i am old i'm 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 in the master i could be i could raise masters that's pretty awesome i i I haven't really thought about it that way but i just avoid (laughs) saying old because i think we're like the same age so i don't yeah i don't want to admit to that (laughs) yeah Um, yeah. Yeah. So you do that. I mean, it, it's been in, in listeners, if you're not familiar, the BKB, I think I've seen more jerseys and more kits with that, I guess, logo or that, um, those letters on it, then it's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable. That's good to hear. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's cause I always think back, I'm like, I didn't know if you were the one that came up with that or who, like your group or you and your brother or whatnot, but I've seen that yeah. just everywhere. Yep. You know, we started it. It was a bike shop. We were, my brother and I were working at the bike shop. And I should mention that my brother Mark um, kind of came through the ranks with me. Um, we were side by side, which was, I think, you know, a competitive advantage advantage for us. Um, and I, not just cycling, but running. And um, Mark, Mark was let's see, Mark was three years younger than me. So when when I was a senior, he was a freshman, whether it was high school or college. So I ran with him, you know, a couple of years there and he was, he was definitely, um, uh, I would say a better runner for sure. He, he had quite a bit of success. He was at the, he was at the, um, you know, longer distance range than I was. I was more, I was more of a, you know, one mile to two mile sort of guy. And he was definitely at the 10 K range and really, really pretty, uh, pretty successful, um, through the college years. And then, um, with cycling too, he, he came through with me and, um, it was, it was basically my, sh- my shadow uh, all the way through. And then, you know, he still is in Madison now, so we don't get to race as much anymore. He has, he has a family. So, um, just an interesting note there if, if you haven't followed that end of it, but if you do look at those wars results, he, he's always right there. <laughs> yep. Yep. And, and I think that's something so I'm going to pitch it again, but listeners, you can go to beingdadshow.com. That'll redirect to the mountain bike radio page, but we'll, we'll dig into the brother connection on over on that episode for that show, because between, I mean, just talking for 20 minutes between your brother and your dad, it sounds like you have some pretty big influences in your life. And I mm-hmm. think that'll be a pretty interesting discussion to 
how that affects, you know, you with your boys. So, sure. um, but yeah, so he was always there. Put it seems like he's been pushing you too. I mean, you don't want your three year younger brother beating you. You know, you're a senior, yeah. he's a freshman. <laughs> I mean, I don't. If you know, if I'm gonna get beat by someone though, like right. you don't, I don't really have any issues getting beat by right. him. At, at, no matter what the sport is or what the card game is. Yeah. Um, it's a it's, it's a weird it's thing, a, right? You don't want your brother to beat you, but if he's gonna, if somebody is, then it's cool. Oh uh, yeah, I'd yeah. much rather have him beat me than some guy that I don't know. Right. So. All right. So you move up to the to the tundra of Minneapolis. So listeners, if you never been up there, live there, it's definitely cold. It's definitely colder. It's like in northern Wisconsin. So if you're not familiar, it's yeah. cold. I mean, it's uh, it's it's a nice place to live though. I lived there for a year and it's, it's pretty cool. So you've been, you, you know, you moved up there working for twin six, everything's going good. When do you start getting your mojo back? When do you start getting the itch? Is it, you know, talk um, about that, what I, it's like, you know, I, I, uh, when I quit my job in Madison, I, you know, it took a little bit of time off, um, a month or so. And, and most of that was just to kind of prepare for a move. Cause my wife and I knew that we were moving. Um, so from there, I mean, the, the minute I quit, I, there was this uh, just the, this weight lifted off of me, and it, it immediately came rushing back. You know, to the point where it was like I was I was in the basement or in the garage late at night, like shining my bikes again, <laughs> and like moving the chain and like doing things that you know I haven't I, I didn't do for the, the past two years. Um, so I, I would say almost immediately, and then when I when we made the move, um, I, I actually came up to the cities um, like a, a month or two prior, uh, or I'm sorry, before my before my wife, and started working. Um, so I was commuting a lot. She was back with, at that point, we had one kid. She was back in Madison. So I ended up commuting a lot from where we were staying. We were looking for a house, all that stuff. And I just, you know, I, I was just learning the city. I mean, I knew, I knew most of it, but I was really learning the ins and outs of it, um, which I just love to do, like just get out there and explore and find things out for yourself. So I found all these hobo trails that, you know, some pe- most people know about, but some people don't know about. And I was ma- creating these routes that um, I, I never knew existed and just kind of like making this little world of uh, off-road riding in the in the urban environment. And it was just this awesome feeling that... Um, I, you know, I haven't had for a while and that kind of, that's really started it. And I I contribute a lot of that to the guys at twin six, just because they were so open about, um, getting me out there and riding again. And I think, I think, you know, that alone facilitates just a great work environment, a healthy work environment. Uh, and that's, and this led to a lot of other opportunities at at the company too, you know, including this, this bike thing that we kind of kicked off last year. Well, talk about that. Talk about that. Then we'll go back to uh, talking about you know your first fat bike, getting back into the fat or getting into fat bikes even. But talk about what Twin Six has going on. Talk about the standard fat um, and any details that people should know. Yeah. So um, last year at Interbike, we launched a handful of bikes. We have uh, we, we call basically a line is just the standard line of bikes. Uh, everything you need, nothing you don't. Uh, kind of mentality and we have this rando frame which you know we didn't intend to call it the rando frame but it was like a working name so it just kind of stuck and, and that's more like the jackknife of the, all the bikes uh, drop bar um, not the, the angles aren't quite as tight as what you find on a cross bike you know fully loaded fenders all that jazz um, and then we have a, a cx bike cyclocross which is a steel frame uh, also like the rando just a little more aggressive carbon fork I'll skip all the details of these just to get to the fat bike. We also have a 20, <laughs> yeah. 29er also, um, which is a steel bike. And then the standard fat, which um, is a titanium fat bike. And that stemmed, you know, basically from just a whole lot of, just a whole lot of uh, testing of other bikes, or I, I won't even call it testing, just personal bikes that each one of us had um, at the shop. And just not really finding exactly what we wanted out of a fat bike, which was a race bike that felt like our two niners. Um, so we kind of kicked that off and designed a couple of prototypes. I ended up riding one uh, mostly last summer. 
um, in a little bit uh, prior to that too. So yeah, it ended up being one of the lightest, uh, at least from what I have found or the research that I've done is that one of the lightest production frame sets um, in terms of a, a metal bike, titanium mm-hmm. bike. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has a carbon fork. It has a 44 mil head tube, 100 millimeter uh, bottom bracket shell, and you know the the standards these days they're not all over the place, but they you know you could go either way on hub spacing, and we have a 135 front, 170 rear. Um, we designed our own dropout, so it's what we were kind of calling a, a future proof uh, dropout. So. Uh, it's modular, it pops off, and you can run, you know, standard QR or a through-axle version. Um, we also offer that with the fork. And then um, we designed our own uh, cable clips or cable routing, and it's all kind of routed underneath the bike. So when you're standing over the bike looking at it, it's a super clean presentation. Um, just one of those anal things that dorky designers like us uh, need in our life so we can yeah. sleep. Yeah. And <laughs> so those cable well, clips the are whole bike, Yeah, the whole bike just but, seems like your style from – just, <laughs> from just seeing all your stuff and your designs and stuff, it's it's just it's very much your style, I guess. Yeah, yeah. thanks, man. Yeah. Um, I mean, and that you know that's that's a huge compliment because that's ultimately what you, ultimately what you want um, as a finished product. I think when you're a designer, is something that represents you, but also um, is appealing to the to the masses. And um, we, you know, between Brent and I, Brent Brent did. Brent did a ton of grunt work on that thing. He, he's kind of the brains behind, uh, he is the brains, you know, part, part of the brains behind twin six, but really, um, drove the, uh, drove this bike project hard. Yeah. And, uh, and he, you know, a lot of late, a lot of late nights with vendors and, um, he has a really good understanding of, of, uh, like just geo sort of numbers stuff. And, um, ultimately he, he's the one that drew, developed most of the drawings for these bikes, which is kind of funny considering that he's using programs <laughs> that <laughs> graphic designers use, like no CAD or anything. Right. So, um, but you know, it turned out he, to be probably one of the best riding bikes that I've ever had. So. Yeah. in in Brent is, I, I met him really only once like face to face. I, I met him at, um, Wasa 24 last summer oh, and the sure, guy yeah. like he's about, he's pretty no nonsense guy. Like he's just like, all right, yeah. let's get done. Like, you know, how's it's just a, it's funny. Like he, um, yeah. I think he said, you know, he, he needs somebody to kind of offset his, he's like, yeah, let's get done. Or, you know, always charging. It seems like, so he needs somebody to kind yeah, of offset he, that, but yeah, he's, uh, He's good, man. Yeah, those guys, both those guys, him and Ryan, are really, really good. That's um, fantastic. But they, what they do, yeah, what they do, and you know, it's every day. It's just it's inspirational to to be around them. So, yeah, it was a really fun project to work on. All the bikes were. Um, I think you know, currently, you know, I, usually I'm the most proud of the bike I'm riding. So right now, yeah, it's the it is that fat bike and. Um, Come spring, we'll probably be the rando bike again. Right. <laughs> uh, we, you know, we have a couple of really, really fun projects that, um, you know, most, most people will probably start seeing, uh, sneak peeks of that come spring and then going into the next inner bike. We'll have a couple of new things that are really cool. So gotcha. things are, things are going really well with that. But, um, yeah, we, we definitely have a couple of those trap bikes in stock. So if anyone's interested, check them out at twin6.com. All right, and I'll put a link in the show notes too, and I'll on the show page I'll put a, a few pictures for you guys too, so that way people can see cool, the, the bikes. And I am going to share. So this is listeners. Here's a little uh, sneak peek in the life of uh, your host. Since I do mountain bike radio, mm-hmm. I pretty much I'm like from the moment I wake up until the moment I go to sleep, I'm thinking, watching everything, right. So like Jesse's Instagram, you know, like I'm scanning, I'll spend an hour scanning Twitter and Instagram, whatever, you know, just to kind of keep up what's going on Any interesting stories. But he shared a picture of that, uh, fat bike in, I don't know where it was, but it was on some lake and there's a bunch of fog and, uh, that's snow. (laughs) Or is it snow? Was Was it snow? I can't remember. I just remember it was a a snowy day. Okay. But it was a fan yeah. hat, like it's really cool, and I'll share that. I'm going to share that on the show page too. I'll dig yeah. that up. Um, yeah, that was um, that was right here in the cities. I mean, if you're 
you're from Minneapolis, you understand the the chain of lakes and the layout of the city. But um, if you're not, there there is a, there's this chain of lakes, and from where I from where Twin Six is, like I I have this little hidden trail that I'll ride in on, and that was around Cedar Lake um, where I was riding, and it was, you know I could feel the temperature dropping a little bit, and then it started to snow. Um, and then before I knew it, it was like a blizzard and I looked out in the lake as I was coming through and it was just like, I couldn't see the other side. And normally you can see the other side, no problem. Yeah. And it was just, uh, it's a great opportunity, but yeah, it's, it's fun. It's fun to ride around, around that area because there's times where you feel like you're in the middle of nowhere, but then you'll pop out, you know, onto a road and you look up and you see this, the skyline of the city and you're like right there. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's- is Cedar Cedar's the one to the west of uh, Lake of the Isles, right? Uh yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. Is I lived there when I first started getting in and all this stuff and I I kind of kind of bummed that I, I wasn't there uh when I was into all this biking because I'd have been doing the same thing. All right. So yeah. let's back it up. I want to talk about this is selfishly. I want to talk about the Fat Bike Frozen 40 because uh my buddy Brad and I put this race on. It's coming up next weekend, February 14th. You won it the last two years. So mm-hmm. I want to get your take on it and why you dig it, why you, you know, what's really, you know, the value you get out of it just because you, we were talking before the, you know, before we recorded this and you just, it, it's something that you really dig and you, you like riding out there. You like the race. So I want to get your take and give listeners an idea. Sure. Um, but first I want to talk about the, how you got into fat bikes was it something like hey this is really cool and this is different i'll try it out and see how it goes or was um, it something where what how did that happen well i mean i don't you know i i don't think we talked i think maybe we've talked about this but maybe not not on the air mm-hmm. um the whole the whole idea of like all these these silent sports coming up like we were as kids we were very aware of them um we didn't compete at all of them and one of those one of those sports was the Idea Bike at the time. I don't remember what, I don't think it was called the Idea Bike, but I remember, <clears throat> you know, this is like junior high or maybe even younger reading about it and like a silent sports that my dad had and seeing these guys that um, were riding these bikes that were at the time, they weren't called fat bikes. They were, they were bikes like, I think Snowcat was maybe the only guys in the game building rims that were wider and some mm-hmm. of those guys were welding rims together to make their own anyway that was my first kind of my first experience with it and just it was this thing that wasn't even attainable it was this far off thing that didn't even really exist to me it's just you know in in paper or on paper um at that point but then obviously you know moving here to minneapolis and having companies like surly in the area who um have kind of been at at this game for a long time the fat flight game um it just it made sense, you know, I mean, I was going to spend, I don't know, five months out of the year with snow on the ground, maybe more. Yeah, right. Um, and I, I love riding my cross bike in the winter, but man, the getting off, off road on trails, um, just seemed far more appealing. So I went, I did go the Surly route, the first bike I owned. And a lot of that was, um, it came from Brent at twin six. He owned a Pugsley, I believe at the time. Um, and you know, he would go out at, at lunchtime and ride some of the local trails and he encouraged me to get a bike. So I ended up picking up a Moonlander and <clears throat> I didn't have any, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't really racing yet. This is three years ago, maybe two, two and a half years ago. I didn't have any intentions of showing up to a race mostly because I wasn't even wasn't fully aware of what was even going on out there. Mm-hmm. But he, uh, well, he at that others. point, at that point in time, there wasn't a lot. I mean, there was a few, no. but nothing really. Yeah. Yeah, that was only a couple of years ago. I mean, that's the fat bike thing is is blowing up just right. like, you know, 20 honors and all the other stuff did back whenever. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, they, there's, there's a local race, the city of the lakes, Lopit. Um, and he encouraged me to do that and I did it. And I ended up winning that bike on the Moonlander. And it was, it was funny because a lot of the local guys that, you know, have been riding these things for years now, um, even though it seems like this new sport to a lot of people around the world, it's, it's been in Minneapolis for far too long. It's, it's not, it's not even, it's not even a trend anymore as far as I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. Um, 
these guys, these guys that have been doing it forever, like, oh wow, I guess it didn't really matter what size room you had. And they were talking this, they were talking this tech game to me that was so foreign. I was like, I, dude, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, really wide rooms. So do you. <laughs> and you don't you even know, care. You're like, I'm just gonna ride my bike. <laughs> you know, you're right. poking your tire and telling me I had too much air pressure and. Um, and I mean, you know, deep down, I understood all those things, but I kind of played it off like uh, whatever and went on my way, rode this, rode the bike, you know, most of the winter, rest of the winter, and then ended up doing the, the frozen 40 that first year. And what was, um, what was most appealing to me about that race, the race at Elm Creek is the amount of single track that you experience and for, for that distance, it's kind of unheard of um in the winter you know um obviously it's a it's a lapped race but the the the, the distance and um the terrain is, is the biggest turn on for me i guess it's kind of disgusting because it's like five hours or something like that and it could, you know the potential for it to be um below zero is pretty high i think i mean we started last year sub-zero maybe yeah i don't recall yeah, and um, and I think were you guys doing were you guys doing it in like three? I think you did it in like three forty five or something. But it goes anywhere from that up to five. Like you said, like yeah, five yeah. and a half hours. People, yeah. So there, but those people come prepared too. It's yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, you're, you're cool. there. You know, there's guys, there's obviously the guys that do the Arrowhead and all those races, yeah. which is a different level. But so anyway, I, I did that race, and you know, it was. It was a complete joy, and it's why I keep coming back. Um, it's uh, it's probably one of the, the better uh, ran races I've I've seen. Not to mention the um, conditions of the trail are always top notch. I mean, the guys that are maintaining those trails for some of the listeners that maybe don't fully understand the Minnesota trail scene, they're uh, we're pretty spoiled up here. I mean, we're not. We, we can ride through deep snow if we want, but there's no reason for it because the trails are so well, the single track is so well groomed that, um, it just keeps you going all winter. Those guys, and it's funny with those guys too, is they're, they've been out there riding those trails for, I don't even know how long, 10, 15 years on regular bikes. So they just have to get it hard enough that they could ride the regular yeah. bikes on it. And that's what they did. And then fat yeah. bikes came along, you know, six, seven years ago. And it was, it was like the, the skies opening up, right? Like, Oh, yeah. we don't have to wait till it's perfectly hard. Now we can get out there, you know? So they've been, yeah, they've been out there grooming it and packing it for years. The, it's kind of cool. You know, the, the cool thing, and the cool thing about that course is the, the terrain changes, um, quite a bit, you know, from really fast, just flowy single track to tight, uh, twisty stuff and then even to the prairie openings where it's still single track but there's some straightaways where you can really open it up mm-hmm. um the change of pace between between one lap to the next is uh is, is really is really nice also when you're racing at that distance and it seems and, and i haven't even raced it myself maybe uh next year i will but um just too much stuff going on race day to actually do it but it seems to me and just from my experience of lap races that distance it gets spread out pretty quickly too yeah and you and it gives you the opportunity to kind of learn the course and understand um if if you haven't done it at least you know i mean you'll kind of understand turns and uh, at what speed you're riding you can ride them um but also the conditions too it helps you understand a little bit the interesting thing about fat biking is tire pressure um is is basically a determining factor when it comes to how fast you're going to be riding um, a, a race and it can make or break you if you're going for it. So now people are wondering now the people are, that were uh, poking your tires a few years ago, everyone's wondering, <laughs> what are you riding tires? <clears throat> what width, what rims talk about your bike? Um, well, I've ridden, I've ridden just about every tire available to man um, with the exception of a couple new ones that have been popping up here. Um, and I, you know, I offer, I can offer a lot of feedback about that stuff I, I have with, uh, com with Gomez. Um, yeah, you made the big, you were the big deal last year at the frozen 40 with the five Dillinger fives. Yeah. yeah. The Dillinger five, which is, um, I will, I'll probably ride that tire again at that race at the frozen 40 okay. on, on the front of my front wheel, at least it's probably, it's one of the better tires I found. Um, 
just for, for single track riding. And then um, the controversial uh, Husker Du. <laughs> um, it seems like people either love that tire or yeah. hate it, but I, I, I like it. It's a 4.0 tire, uh, most likely running on a head rim, 80 mil rim. Mm-hmm. Um, I bounce back between uh, the head and then a set of whiskey uh, wheels too, which is a little bit narrower. But um, the the tires, yeah, the, the 45 North tires, I've, and by the way, I'm, not sponsored by them. Um, I will definitely buy their product at full retail because I believe firmly that they're making the best tires on the market right now. Um, but the, the the Dillinger Five or the Dillinger Four and then the Hoopster Du are those are my three favorites right now. Gotcha. Um, I, I would say that you know tire pressure. I probably run higher than a lot of people. At least people that I've encountered on the trail. Um, this past weekend, I raced a, a local race, which was a pretty wide open course, and I rode right around nine psi, which is hmm. fairly high. Yeah, and you're not a like, huge guy. I mean, how much do you weigh? Ah, uh, hundred hundred sixty pounds. Okay, now well, dad weight. Yeah, you're not exactly. I was gonna say. So, what were you? If I'd asked you that question ten years ago, what were you? Uh, about ten pounds lighter. Oh, this is not that big of a deal. No, I mean, I you know when I ran, I was a little bit lighter than that, but um, yeah, I put on I put, like, I put on like like weight. I think when I started riding more, gotcha. Um, and now it's now it's like midsection weight because I don't ride as much. <laughs> right, <but>. right, <laughs> right. And you're always eating the leftovers from the kids. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it seems like it. Yeah, exactly. So nine pounds. I mean, that is in certain situations, that's a little bit more than other guys be running. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, 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 like I said, I mean, we're spoiled here, where we have just beautifully groomed single track, right. and just it's tacky most days, and you don't really have to worry about running crazy low pressures. So. Yeah, in those situations too, like, I, you know, I people say that you you get out riding with people or whatever, and they'll they'll say, oh, you should be running lower. It's like, well, then I try to dig into a corner, and yeah, I might have a little bit more traction. But then the, yeah. the tire's not there, you know, like it's just not there enough yeah. to do what I needed to do. So I always, I always feel like, um, when I get, start dipping below like seven, my, it just feels slow. Yeah. I mean, it's, you're riding that you're riding a fat, like it feels kind of slow either way, but, <laughs> right. um, it, it feels like I, I pass, I was, I lapsed someone in the race this weekend. So it was a lapse, a circuit race. And, I was going to my last lap and I was going up with trailing Jeff Hall and another local guy. And, um, we passed this guy, you know, you kind of do this, you're weaving back and forth. There's soft stuff that you don't really have to, you don't really want to go through, but you do because you're trying to go around the lap rider and be courteous. And I look mm-hmm. down and this person is like, they're bouncing, you know, and you can just see like a rim <laughs> almost touching the ground, right. like yeah. through the tire. And I'm just like, no, that's wrong. Like, that's why you're working so hard. Um, and that's, that's not a fun feeling that can really, that can really wreck your ride if you get the tire pressure wrong at right. that level. So, and, um, yeah, you know, it's usually seven to eight PSI on the, the really well-groomed stuff here and it seems to hook up pretty good. Okay. And tubes or tubeless? Uh, tubeless all the way. Tubeless, uh, yeah. tubeless saved my life. Okay. How long were <laughs> I mean, you running, and, and, how, long and I, were, how long were you running tubes? Did you just finally switch yeah, over? Yeah, I mean, no, I, I haven't run, I mean... Uh, I don't years. Okay, man, I haven't run two for years, like two thousand. Because with that Moonlander, yeah. Because with the Moonlander, I'm just wondering well, for fat bike. So I take uh, I take that back. And fat bikes, I've, yeah. at Moonlander, I did I did run tubes. Okay. Um, and, and then once you ditched that, was, you were done. yeah, it was a stock okay. wheel. You okay. Know, so yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, did, I take that I take that back. Yeah. Um, I did run tubes on that bike, but then the, you know, the heads and the whiskeys of right. the world came on board and really, um, up the ante with, with what you could do with a fat bike wheel. Yeah. Um, it's pretty, pretty brilliant. Yeah. Other, so, otherwise I can't believe they still, I can't believe people still ask the question for regular riding. I can't, I can't believe yeah. that people, it baffles me at, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, people that, people that ride a lot and understand bikes aren't going to be running tubes, obviously. Um, at least around here, but, um, you know, I think a lot, a lot of people that you know, I've, I've experienced now that we're, now that we're doing bikes, Twin Six is making bikes, you know, I've experienced a lot of, a lot of consumers that are really interested in these bikes. And 
their current bikes are just bikes they bought off the sales floor at the local bike shop and um maybe they're not as experienced mechanically and they you know we start talking about those things and they go i I don't know if i have tubes or not but then you most likely do but um it's always a it's always a pleasure to help those people out and kind of get them set up whether it's tubeless or another part of their bike that really enhances their ride you know and makes it more enjoyable it's It's just you have to keep their friends out of their ears telling them what to do, yeah. right? <laughs> they come to you and you need to be able to help them unencumbered with uh, their yeah. friends. Yep. Yes. Yep. No, I hear you totally. Um, yeah. All right. So Frozen 40, you got that going. Uh, and you mentioned Jeff Hall. And mm-hmm. I got to ask you because Jeff is going to be at the Frozen 40. Brendan Moore from Wolf yeah. Tooth Components. You can check. By the way, I'll give him a shout out too. Because they're sponsoring yeah. the race, Wolf Tooth. I think it's Wolf Tooth Cycling. Um, they also have a redirect. Uh, yeah. WolfToothCycling dot com. Go check out their stuff if you haven't already. And by the way, members, you get a deal. So you get a deal. <laughs> I want to say it's fifteen or twenty percent off. I have to check because we have so many deals on there. I can't keep them straight. So, so if you become a member, you get a percentage off on all your purchases from Wolf Tooth Components. So there you go. But Brandon Moore, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll, pl- I'll plug those guys. They, they make a great product. Yeah, one of the best in the, in the market. So. Yeah, it's fantastic. Like I, I would pay. I mean, they don't give me stuff. I still pay, and I would buy. Yeah, I, usually, I would keep buying forever. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so Jeff Hall, Brandon Moore. So guys, if you're uh, new to uh, the area or new to mountain bike rating, you don't know these Midwest guys. They're these guys are really strong guys. Um, and then Justin Piantic, he's going to be out there racing again. I think last year he, uh, he went outside of his pace a little bit and he ended up blowing up. So he's going to be back. He's, mm-hmm. he's pretty motivated. So we got those guys and I haven't even checked the list for others, but I'm pretty sure there'll be another, you know, all the local guys, other local guys to the trail. Um, they're all really strong. That's a good second, second pack to keep you guys on your toes. Uh, talk about it. What's it going to be like? What are you, what are you thinking going into it? Or are you just worried about, uh, just racing your race. What's it going to be like? Yeah. I mean, you never, you never really know until you wake up that morning, hop on your bike. And some days you have just phenomenal days and you know, you're just going to feel like you're pedaling. Um, other days it just feels like you're, uh, pedaling square wheels. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) I usually just, just wait for the, the gun to go off and see what I got. Um, I will say that, you know, when, a couple of years back when I started racing, uh, the majority of the races I did, there was a lot of great competition, but there was never a day where every heavy hitter showed up. Um, and now, now with the, you know, the extension of all these different brands into the fat bike world, there's a lot of, a lot of guys that you would normally see in the summer who are standing on the top step of the podium are starting to kind of branch out and, um, race fat bikes and uh you know seeing jeff hall out there Brent, brendan's been doing it for years but jeff is kind of new to it this year um it's it's uh it's really it's really allowed me as an individual to up my game and hopefully like mentally prepare a little bit more but i don't you know i i don't i don't think i really have a game plan you just kind of go and okay. uh, you just you just race the pace that you need to to race and um I think I think it will end up being a, a pretty strategic race. At least that's kind of how the last couple have played out that I've raced uh, Jeff in. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're all, you know, you're at, at that at some level, you're all very very equal. And um, if you're if you're going for it mid race, every guy that's with you is going to go for it, and you just have to be smart about it and hope that uh, hope that you make the right move at the right time. <laughs> Right. Whether that's whether that's off the off the start or at the finish or mid mid pack address. Right. And I you know, I forgot to mention with Justin Piantic too. He he's a guy, he came up with a uh he's done a lot of work with us graphic wise. He put together a poster this year, which has a basically that's you on the poster, Jesse, by the way. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um but anyhow, so definitely if you're listening to this, check out Justin Piantic, which is P I O N T E K Justin Um, because he does a lot of the graphic stuff for mountain bike radio too. He comes up with ideas to kick him around. So t-shirts and all that kind of stuff. So I had to give him a shout out, but he's the young one of the bunch that I mentioned. Um, which brings me to the point, Brendan, mm-hmm. you and Jeff are all, well, I guess old 
We could say it. We could say it. We're all old, right? Um, Within a couple of years. Yeah. Right. And Jeff's been around. I think he used to be in the pro world of mountain biking, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. He was, he, he probably has the deepest credentials out of okay. any of us, I would say. He, um, he was, I, I want to say an Olympic alternate yeah. back in the yeah. day. He was and I might, I don't, I don't know what year that was, and I can't remember how that. I mean, I think there's some politics involved with how he made the team at that time. But he was, he was definitely a front runner um, back then, and he still is, you know. Yeah. And you kind of joke around about this, um, the the dad thing, you know, Cat One Dad. <laughs> um, I think I've seen the hashtag uh, Dad Fixies nice. for, for fat bikes. Nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, we all we all have kids and. Um, you, you know, we're all, I think we're all just kind of finding that balance of family versus, uh, ride time. But, you know, in the end, at, at, at some level, you're, you have so many miles in your legs that, um, you know, even a, a training plan doesn't really exist. You're just kind of, you, you kind of have that, the old man strength that you hear about so often, um, where you, you just kind of go about your, your day and, um, just get it done. And, uh, that's, that's what I'm, I'm finding at least. And it appears that Jeff and Brendan also are finding that. Yeah. Cause we're all, we're all pretty evenly matched. Yep. I mean, you two, you with two young kids. And then I don't know if Brendan, cause last time I had him on mountain bike radio, he was still like a engineer during the day. Like he had a day job yeah. and then he was part of Wolf. Uh, he's one of, I think three, three owners of Wolf Tooth components. Yeah. yeah and then he has yeah. three little kids. Like, I, and then he can go out and win. I think he he did a Schwamigan 100 or something. Won that. Yeah. I mean, super strong rider. Yeah, like crazy. Like, yeah. I don't know. It's old man strength. Yeah. Old dad yeah, strength. And you know, I mean, I think I think like the priorities have changed a lot. Like, mm-hmm. um, at least personally, you know, there was a time in my life where I was really, really hungry for uh, everything. <laughs> I just wanted to, it, you know, have something to prove. I think mm-hmm. at, a, at a younger age. And, um, you don't want to miss out on anything. So racing every single weekend and just you're throwing, throwing moves that you don't even know how to, how to finish, you know, right. um, that sort of mentality kind of goes away. And, um, we're all probably, you know, we're a little bit smarter about the way that we ride our bikes, but, you know, I think that kind of plays into the more, the strategic part of it. Yeah. Um, but in the end, in the end, we're all, you know, at least locally, we're all buddies and, um, encourage, I think encourage each other to, to just you know, crush one another when yeah. we can. So yeah. So what would you say is your strength? You mentioned the the single track, and you know, I, I'm just going back to Frozen Forty just because it's a, you know, it's coming up here. Um, yeah. You mentioned the single track on there, and I have to add too that some of that is it's it's fantastic, like twisty, tight. It's awesome. So what would you yeah, say, really you know, good. strategy wise? What is your when somebody asks you what is your strength as far as mountain biking, is it is it doing that tight twisty single track or is it doing, you know, just kind of flat out pushing pushing the power? Yeah. Where do you excel during uh, the race? It's all single track. Okay. Yeah, it's really it's, it's really the only thing that I'm good at, it seems like. Um the rest of it is just you just kind of fake it, you know. And um luckily the frozen forty is all single track, which is why I enjoy it and uh, I think why I've been able to, to win it the last couple of years. Um, whereas, you know, like you've mentioned the Shawamigan win on the single speed, which is uh, still ridiculous to me, um, because it's not a, that's not the sort of race that I would ever even contend. in. it just, mm-hmm. I think it was just, it was the day, it was the, um, the way the pace played out and all that stuff. So yeah, single track is what I'm getting at. Um, gotcha just hours of hours of riding single track from a young age and um, the skateboard and BMX mentality of being able to, to see an obstacle or an object and have a mindset to approach it and ride it maybe differently than your competitors would and at speed and all that good stuff. So just keep it yeah. smooth. Definitely keep it yeah. smooth, you know, and there's so many elements that play into, um, riding a single track when it comes to, um, to winter, you know, whether, like I mentioned, the tire pressure mm-hmm. thing, the conditions, it's, um, the one thing that I'm finding is instead of like really going full throttle and staying on it, um, is to just, is back off. And I, and I want, I don't want to call it a comfortable pace, but it, it's a pace, it's a pace that allows you to flow more than, um, like just 
go hard, I guess. <laughs> um, you, you, it's easy to go too hard and then just like, you know, overcook corners or um, mm-hmm. slide out due to the, the conditions. So, yeah, just, you just got to be smart about it. Yeah. And last year, with all the snow, that would have been a disaster. Any washout or anything was a disaster. You get off the trail and yeah. it was just a mess. That was the best winter ever. Yeah. I, mean, I, I don't. I don't remember a better winter than that, um, which is kind of it's kind of I, I don't want to say depressing, but it is. It's hard to keep the motivation up these days. Like we recently had an inch or two, which is nice, but the last month has been pretty brutal for fat biking because it, we had a big thaw and the trail local trails have went down to ice because it would freeze overnight uh, and just kind of blew the whole thing out. So it makes it, it makes it difficult. But yeah, that last year was just, it was just perfect for everything. Mm-hmm. Um, fat bike related. So keeping our fingers crossed that we'll get another couple inches before the, the event. Yeah, we got, it looks like probably maybe two inches up that way. And then it's supposed to snow, I think on Saturday, but it doesn't say how much at this point. But yeah, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. But it should be good. I mean, that's the, the snow today was a big deal. And they're going to get out there and yeah. pack it and stuff. So yeah. it should be good. Um, all right, before I, before we go, I want to get a little I want to find out what you're doing going into the spring and the summer, kind of what your plans are. Uh but first, but for, first I want to just hit on the the snow thing because I think it's a it's a big deal recently. Because you you mentioned that you know, when you were younger, cross-country skiing was kind of a thing. So you get that whole thing of having to the the good, you appreciate the good snow. Like you realize that like the Midwest, for example, you get maybe, you know, you get three weeks of really good snow. It gets, you know, either you pack down your trail or if you ski like groom trails, you know, you get a good three weeks and then there'll be a melt and it'll be shitty for a couple of weeks. And then you have to wait for another good snow, right? In the last two years. So you get that. A lot of people the last two years have fat bags have blown up, right? So you have a lot of people that didn't really do much and weren't cross country skiers and didn't do much during the winter other than just ride whatever they could, the roads or whatever. Mm-hmm. So now they, they got on fat bikes the last two winters and they're thinking every winter's like this. It's perfect. You know, there's tons of snow. It's always cold. I don't have to worry about it. And then yeah. comes this winter and they're all finding out that it sucks <laughs> waiting They're there. My point is they're the, now after complaining about cross country skiers, like, you know, each group kind of bitching at each other for access and stuff. Now fat bikes mm-hmm. have now realized what it's like to sit in front of the computer, always wondering what the forecast is and when the snow is coming. <laughs> so it's really funny. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it is funny because, like, <clears throat> I find that here, at least in the cities or this upper Midwest, where you do end up getting quite a bit of snow, that the fat bike really is your is your obviously your go to mm-hmm. bike, but a lot of people put it away in the summer, you know, and <clears throat> the rest of the industry is trying to, I think still wrap their head around what the fat bike actually is where up here, we're just like, yeah, no, it's for snow. And there's a lot, you know, there's people that there's people that definitely ride their fat bike year round, but for a lot of us, we will put it away mm-hmm. in the summer. But the reality is you can ride that thing all summer. Also, if you really, if you really want to, or if you're ambitious enough. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. But snow is nice. And um, I like riding my fat bike on snow. <laughs> yep. All right. So what do you have going? I, I think, was it last year I saw, like I said, people, it's it's almost embarrassingly bad how much I keep up on all the results, especially in the Midwest. Like, that's where I'm from. And I just, I'm, I'm just interested in what's going on there. And I, I think I remember seeing you last year, your name at the top of, I think it was the Bear 100. Was it the Bear? Uh, <laughs> there was a, a gravel, a spring gravel, something. Uh, uh, Ragnarok. Maybe it was. Yeah, yeah, maybe it was. It was some spring well, gravel thing. And you, I think you won. Are you? Yeah, I mean, I've, there's a there's a handful of uh, okay, handful of gravel races in the area. Okay, and you know, one of them being Almanzo, which is huge. Yep. Um, and I, you know, I, that's something. That, like I said, the single track is really where my heart is. Like riding in the woods and tighter trails just far more enjoyable than anything I've ever done in my life. Um, yeah, you can quote that too, by the way. My <laughs> wife would love it. Yes. Um, so what are you so, doing? I guess, what are you doing this spring then? Are you going to, well, so yeah, I mean, that, the, the gravel thing is always kind of like a season opener for mm-hmm. a lot of people, no matter what discipline they love. So you have Almanzo, you have Ragnarok, which is kind of, is probably one, in my opinion, one of the best 
un- unknown gravel races in the area. It takes off on a red wing um, and then does this crazy loop. If you're not familiar with red wing, it's kind of it's on the river and it's a bluff bluffy area. So you're it's a beautiful in, area in these valleys, right? I mean, it's these this you know it's just insane amount of climbs and um, all gravel. And at that point, there's still snow on the ground, but it could start thawing and there's it's just melted, just soft, mucky uh, gravel roads, and it's really challenging. Um, there's that which I'm gonna do, and then there's Almanzo has a couple different races, and last year I did the Royal, which maybe you were referring to. That's yeah, it must have been. Yep, yeah, it must have been. Yeah, that's 165 or 160. Was 162 miles, I think. Um, I did that with my brother and um, did fairly well on that. Um, and then after, after that, you just kind of jump into, uh, local mountain bike stuff. Um, but honestly, like more recently, I've just kind of been seeking out those events that, uh, maybe are a little more epic, you know, no pun intended, but like the Mount Bora epic, which is in cable, um, is, is kind of the first mountain bike race that I'll do, which I really look forward to. It's a point to point 33 mile race out of cable and then kind of tracks back towards Hayward ends in, uh, um, right by Rosie's Field, where the Schwamigan actually enters the woods there, okay. the Schwamigan Forty race. So that that one is always a big one on my calendar, and a lot of a lot of guys show up for that, and it seems to be growing. Um, but other other than that, you know, it's just going to be a bunch of bunch of local stuff, or whatever I can get out for. So gotcha. And you know, I bring up the gravel thing, and I th- were you you did Trans Iowa a long time ago, right? Yeah, I did it. Maybe I can't remember what year. I did it one of the years where no one finished. Okay, I, I, I might have been one of the worst years where like <laughs> furthest anyone made it was like fifty or sixty miles. Yeah, that's... um, rain rain from the time I left Wisconsin to the time I got to Iowa the day before, and then rained all night, and we showed up and the, we took off, and it was all you know, it was fine and dandy, just riding this wet gravel junk, and you, know, you had your you know your uh, booties duct taped around your ankles and just trying to stay as dry as possible. And you, you know, and I would have the B level roads. I mean, a lot of states have B level roads, which are just unmaintained more or less. And in Iowa, it's, you know, it's tractor, old tractor roads, mm-hmm. not even roads, just like manure <laughs> trails through the middle of the field. And yeah. we took this turn onto one of these things, man. And like everyone just stopped. It was just muck and your tires jammed up, your wheels jammed up. They went stinks or so much mud in your frame. Um, it was just, yeah. I, I mean, I, I still have that vision in my head of like everyone <laughs> looking at each other, like, uh, is this race canceled now? Or, but yeah, so I did that or attempted it at one point. Um, I don't think I would ever try it again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's funny. But yeah, so I mean, you you definitely keep it busy all year. Uh, yeah, the, I don't. You know, with with the kids and family, I don't really go out and mark things on my calendar. Um, these days it's, I mean, you can you kind of, you kind of have to plan somewhat just because, uh, registration for a lot of these events opens up so early. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of family stuff on the calendar that, um, I'll be enjoying, but when I, when I can get away, I definitely do a race or two. <laughs> All right. So th- that leads me to my final question. It's actually a two part question. I want to know, Two two favorites. So, say your wife says, "Hey, Jesse, I have the kids for you get five days, right? You get a whole, let's say Thursday through. You can come back on Monday. Mm-hmm. What is looking back and all the different races you've done? You know, wars, local Minnesota ones. Um, what would you say your favorite race is? Either course or favorite, just one time race. Um, and then the separate question would be, you have these five days, where are you going to go to ride and what, what, uh, tell us about that, what you would do. Um, so what's your favorite race course or uh, you know, race? Uh, you know, it, it's, uh, it's tough. It's a tough question for a number of reasons. I mean, I've had, I've had experiences at, um, at courses that, I would probably never go back and ride on, but because that experience was <laughs> okay. so good, you know, that it, it, it holds like a special place in my, in my mind. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
but we don't we don't have to we don't necessarily have to talk about those places. I will say that last year I did uh, single speed USA, which I don't really know how to define single speed USA because single speed in general to me has really it hasn't the the environment at these single speed races hasn't changed much, but it, my I've changed enough um, as a rider as just as a person where um, it's not it's not the same. It doesn't it's not as uh, it's not as interesting to me as it once was. Um, but I did do the single speed USA and Copper Harbor, and basically that's the Upper Peninsula mm-hmm. of Michigan. All the way out, you drive all the way up, like just say you're all the way north of Michigan, Upper Peninsula. You went east all the way to the tip, where you you just ran to the end of the land, and that's yeah. Copper Harbor, and that is uh, it's some of the most incredible riding um, the mid in Midwest, in my opinion. Um, and then Marquette also, which is you know down the road from there, has some equally incredible riding, but. I would I would go back to Mark I would go back to Copper Harbor. It's just one of those places where you could host a World Cup race tomorrow and people would be stoked on it, hmm. um, especially in the summer. And I, I don't know what it's like there in the winter. Um, <laughs> it's buried in three feet I, of snow right now. <laughs> it's probably pretty terrible, and maybe I'm wrong, but I do I, I do know that um, Marquette has a, a very very interesting trail system for fast bikes, which is well maintained too. So that might be the ticket, but. Um, I would recommend Copper Harbor to anyone who's willing to drive there and uh, just kind of live off the land for a week or two. You can just plenty of campsites and whatnot. Lodging is, you know, is, it is what it is in that area. Mm-hmm. But um, I would recommend camping. Yeah, and just getting dirty. Yeah, and uh, the experience, the experiences. We're gonna save that for the Being Dad show. So I, I'm not going to let you, that'll be a great discussion for that too. So listeners, <laughs> you're going to have to wait for that. It's going to be a while before we get that recorded and out. But just so you know, if you're listening to this and you're digging it and you want to hear the other side of the story where Jesse's being a dad and all the different experiences and how he's changed and all that kind of stuff, we'll talk about that in a different one. <laughs> so Sounds good. All right, cool. So I think that'll do it for this one, Jesse. I really appreciate it. Uh, the time. You know, the insight, if anybody's wondering about the Frozen 40, they can, you can shoot me an email. It's ben at mountainbikeradio.com. If you have a question for Jesse, just send it over to me. I can forward it over to him. That way he doesn't have to, you know, deal with all that. Go to twin6.com. They're a great supporter of the race, and they have some cool stuff going on. They have a whole lineup of bikes, and they do all kinds of great designs. And it's it's a I will mention, too, as far as designs, it's a revolving door. Like there's a, mm-hmm. I think a t-shirt in the month. There's all kinds of new designs. If you go to the website now, you'll see 2015, all the new shirts are highlighted with 2015. So it's pretty cool. Check it yeah. out. All right. Definitely. So I will see you in like a week, basically. So I look forward to that. And if anybody check it out, frozen40.com. If you're in the Midwest and you are looking for something to do on Valentine's day, Come over and race, and then you can go do whatever after that with whoever you are doing that with. So, um, but that's it, listeners. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you again, Jesse. And that'll do it for another episode of Inside Mountain Bike Radio.